You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in just a moment, but first, breaking details about a major police incident unfolding just north of Hope. It has prompted the closure of part of the Coquihalla. Joining us in studio with more, Jordan Armstrong uh, with details on this developing situation. Jordan? Sophie, it seems this closure, which is now a full closure, will last a while because southbound drivers stopped on the highway were turned around just before 5 o'clock and told to head back to Merritt. It all started around 2 p.m. Police shut down the southbound lanes. Then a short time later, northbound traffic was also blocked. RCMP are only saying it is an active and unfolding incident. And a large number of police resources are being sent to the area of Juliet Bridge, south of Merritt, near the Coquihalla Summit. Dave Barry with CFJC News was on the Coquihalla. He's now in Merritt, and he describes what he saw on the highway. We've seen a lot of police officers... Uh or at least a lot of police cars uh, racing down the northbound lane, headed southbound, trying to get to the site that uh, they were looking for. It's a little uh, unnerving to be stuck on a highway in the middle of winter in Canada, <laughs> but especially when you see a number of police cars going, racing to a scene, you know that there's something that's uh, pretty serious that's happening. And just to recap, the Coquihalla Highway 5 fully closed between Hope and Merritt. Unclear when it will reopen. Drivers are being told to use Highways 3 and 5A instead. We don't know if this police response is connected to any other recent events in Merritt or elsewhere. Sophie? Pretty dramatic stuff. All right, thanks for that, Jordan. Okay, two people are in custody. Two are still at large after that chaotic scene Tuesday during the afternoon commute that started as a violent robbery at a Coquitlam car dealership. And that led to a chase through multiple jurisdictions. Shots fired and traffic stalled all across the Tri-Cities. Krista Dow reports. The scene in Coquitlam, chaotic. RCMP on a manhunt for four suspects wanted in an armed robbery at a car dealership Tuesday. I was terrified from watching from the sidelines. I wouldn't even imagine what, you know, people in traffic were feeling. The crime spree spanning several jurisdictions across Port Coquitlam, Coquitlam and Surrey. This dash cam video shows the suspect vehicle colliding with another vehicle with the RCMP in hot pursuit. <laughs> Then later, shots fired as police on a foot chase to apprehend one of the suspects. Well, what's unique about this particular incident is it was a, it was a very, what I would refer to as a highly mobile event. So there's the initial um, location where the offence happened, then there's various points where various events happen between the suspects and the police. The robbery happening just after 3.40 with the suspects stealing a vehicle from Journey approved. The stolen vehicle crashing on Highway 1 near the King Edward overpass. That suspect was arrested. Another suspect carjacked a vehicle nearby, fleeing to Surrey, where they were later arrested. Two suspects remain at large. Pretty vague, as you can appreciate. They've taken steps to conceal their identity, wearing masks and so forth. Similar 
items of clothing. Staff at this dealership too shaken to go on camera, but tell me at least one employee was held at gunpoint and struck over the head with a pistol. The suspects came in stealing cash, wallets, jewelry and cell phones and taking off in a black Mercedes. In a statement, the auto dealership says the armed assailants physically battered staff and robbed them of personal belongings. One Journey-approved staff member was taken to the hospital to have their injuries tended to. Adding, we will be working with victim services to ensure our staff receive the help they may need to recover from this event. Several scenes being held by police Wednesday as they continue their search for the two suspects still at large. Anyone with dash cam or information is asked to call police. Krista Dow, Global News. And Vancouver police are appealing to the public for dash cam video in connection with the armed robbery at a restaurant on Commercial Drive on Sunday morning. BPD's major crime unit says the suspects conducted a takeover style robbery at Café du Soleil, where cell phones were stolen from customers. They say the suspects fled in a vehicle heading south on Commercial Drive, then east on First Avenue towards Burnaby. If you have dash cam video from that area from just before 11.30 a.m., you're asked to contact Vancouver Police. Police are now identifying the victim of Tuesday's stabbing at a Surrey High School. 18-year-old Mehik Preetsethi was stabbed in the parking lot of Tamanua Secondary at around noon. He was taken to hospital where he later died. A 17-year-old suspect was arrested at the scene and remains in custody. Homicide police say they believe the suspect and Sethi were known to each other and there's no risk to the public, but they are still investigating a motive. Any witnesses who've not yet spoken to police are being asked to call IHIT. Premier David Eby is committing millions of dollars to the RCMP to help tackle public safety issues. The investment will help fund hiring more members and ensuring they get the support to do their jobs. Richard Zussman has more. Under mounting pressure to address crime in B.C., Premier David Eby turning to the Mounties, a massive $230 million investment over the next three years to address staffing across the province. For the first time, British Columbia is committing to sustained core funding for the RCMP. The investment includes an allocation of cash to bulk up short-staffed RCMP detachments in rural communities. The goal is to get from current levels to 2,602 officers province-wide. We have 277 what we would call blocked vacancies. This funding will allow those vacancies to be filled. The government acknowledging there is a challenge with recruitment and will now work with the RCP to get staff to this province. The money also includes support to hire additional officers province-wide in Major Crimes Unit, Sexual Exploitation of Children Unit and BC Highway Patrol, allowing the specialist units to do their job. These units serve urban and rural communities across the province and can help alleviate some work of municipal police forces, freeing them up to focus on other crimes. On Sunday, Eby releasing his entire public safety plan, part of it going after the proceeds of crime, including homes, luxury goods and cars. This money will help the police track down those criminals. We know with the growing population, there's strain on police resources right now. Uh, and so this announcement is aimed at that. Uh, it will assist with uh, issues like addressing money laundering. Anti-money laundering experts say Justice Austin Cullen provided the recommendation to seize assets following a public inquiry into money laundering. But the funding needs to be there to let police 
do their jobs. He makes recommendations that any investigation by a police force that includes any kind of unlawful activity for profit, whether that's drugs, fraud, kleptocracy, whatever it is, that it in should include a proceeds of crime investigation. That is just not happening. But now with a new commanding officer in the premier's office, the shift is happening to fund much needed jobs with all eyes on whether this plan actually leads to more criminals behind bars. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. BC's highest court has dismissed an appeal launched by a man convicted of killing his two children five years ago. Andrew Berry was found guilty of killing six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey in Oak Bay on Christmas Day of 2017. Berry has always maintained his innocence and filed his appeal shortly after being sentenced to life in prison with no parole eligibility for 22 years. He claims there were a number of errors in pre-trial and mid-trial rulings, but the BC Court of Appeal has found none of the grounds of the appeal establish errors that warrant the court's intervention, so the appeal will not be heard. Businesses in the town of Oliver are growing more frustrated as a crime wave plagues their community. In the past month, there have been a dozen break-ins, with the most recent one on Sunday. Oliver RCMP say the rash of thefts appears to be happening mostly at night, with one person or a group breaking into the front entrances of local businesses, primarily located on Main Street downtown. They are very consistent in front windows, two properties, being smashed in with a hammer, or crowbar, or other tool, the person unlocking the front door and being in and out of the business in a matter of less than a minute. Some businesses have been targeted more than once. Some arrests have already been made, but RCMP say they are now working to isolate a main suspect in the most recent blitz of break-ins. Police in Surrey are asking for the public's help to find a suspect who allegedly shot a firework at two pedestrians. RCMP say the driver of this car drove slowly past two people at 104th Avenue and 148th Street just after midnight Tuesday. Someone in the car aimed the firework at the pedestrians, hitting one of them in the forehead. Police believe there were at least two other vehicles in the area at the time that may have witnessed the incident. Anyone with information is asked to call Surrey RCMP. BC Children's Hospital is trying to get a handle on a troubling surge of respiratory illnesses. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the hospital has opened an overflow unit to take the pressure off its overwhelmed emergency room. The fall flu season has hit the emergency department at Children's Hospital hard. Staff forced into triaging patients differently. Facing a storm surge of viral infections, an overflow area has hastily been set up to deal with less severe cases. Wait times still longer than ideal in the main emergency department Wednesday, but significantly shorter than on the weekend. We work really hard to try to see families and patients as fast as we can. The most urgent, of course, being seen first. And we apologize to families that do experience that wait. A memo went out this week informing staff of the changes. It reads, the department is mostly seeing viral illness, including entero and rhinovirus, and now increasing presentations of influenza and RSV, as well as steady COVID-19. The overflow area will continue as needed, closing November 25th in order to move into a dedicated space. It's hoped diverting even a small number of patients every day will free up the ED 
for more serious cases. Even if we only send 20 patients from the department to the clinic, it's still 20 patients less within the department at that time and that are getting care that they require. The overflow may be needed longer than anyone in the healthcare system is willing to admit. The storm surge being felt everywhere across BC. Walk-in clinics are full and family physicians are booked solid. So a lot of us are adding four anywhere between four to eight children per day on top of our booked appointments because we are trying to to deal with with these children and their illnesses. Coupled with a shortage of Tylenol and other fever reducers, many parents have no other choice but to go to emergency. While the clinic for less severe cases will be open from 10 till 10 seven days a week, the key to all of this will be staffing levels. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, I know you've got some numbers, uh, some mm -hmm. data that shows a noticeable increase in emergency room visits lately. Yeah, and as Aaron noted in his story, it's not just a children's hospital. This is province-wide. A significant spike in the number of people going into emergency, emergency rooms right across the province. Here's the data for the last five days. You can see uh, yesterday, 7,100 visits roughly. Uh, the day before, almost 7,500 visits. That's quite a big jump from Sunday, Saturday, and Friday when it was hovering around 6,700, 6,500. Uh, again, as Aaron noted, a number of those visits are parents of young children can't get access to pain medication, but that's a significant amount of pressure on our health care system, quite apart from the pressure caused by chronic staff shortages in all sorts of hospitals. Some more stats, some good news, bad news. Uh, the good news is we're not really at a high rate of vacancy. We're at about 97% of vacancy or, or occupancy, pardon me, of beds across BC. We have had 101, 102%, so we're not in a critical state there. Good news is the number of kids in ICU that I reported last week was about 70% uh, occupancy. That's down to 63%, so that number is dr dropping. Continue needs to be a big problem in Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops and Kelowna General. Just three hospital beds are vacant there between those two semi-large cities. Three hospital beds out of for a population of thousands of people. And that's been the case for some time. Probably not going to change much for the next few weeks. Stop the spread. Stay at home if you don't feel well. Pretty good advice. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Keith. Canada soccer back on the world stage. <laughs> Our country's dramatic return to the World Cup and the special connection one group of British Columbians has to the team. That's next on the News Hour. Black Friday planning, the products you're most likely to get a deal on, coming up later on the News Hour. And how would you like to buy a piece of an island? Crowdfunding to protect the environment still to come. Right now, though, parts of the country, maybe even our newsroom, came to a standstill for a couple of hours today as Team Canada hit the pitch in Qatar for our first World Cup game in 36 years. As Amadagahi reports, a group of fans here in B.C. has a special connection to one member of Team Canada in particular. If you live in this country, you will know Canada passionately supports its athletes on the world stage. But the last time it was on this stage, he was not born. It's been a long time. And he was a child. It's a beautiful day. This is like a healing moment for us. After a 36-year drought, on Wednesday, Canada's World Cup dream became a reality. Bars, school gymnasiums, and of course, empty hockey rinks became a gathering point to watch the men's national team take on Belgium in Qatar. We have a full house, a sold out show. We're looking at uh, anywhere between 600 and 700 people. If we pull it off, it will be the best day of my life. Yay! 
In Vancouver, Tobin Rootman and his friends enjoyed a shot of maple syrup for good luck. How many of you guys are supposed to be at school? Like all of us. No one's going to school. I told all my teachers, like, there was no chance I was going to be at school today. My dad took the day off. But the midday kickoff, perhaps the entire country's productivity declined for 90 minutes. I'm a professional, so I got banked overtime in time of blue. At Aldergrove Community Secondary School, students and teachers watched the game in the gym, especially cheering on alumni Joel Waterman, who plays on the national team. I'm so happy to be at school that he went to. It gives us motivation, of course, that everyone can be somewhere at one point. Let's go Canada! The match itself, a roller coaster of emotion, full of excitement and agony, with a missed penalty and one defensive mistake leading to a 1-0 defeat for Canada. Super proud of our team. We played our heart out, and uh, there's more to come. There's more to come. There's two more games. After a valiant effort, Canada and its fans walking away with their heads held high because the momentum in this World Cup could perhaps continue. Imad Gahi, Global News. And of course, we will have highlights. And there were highlights yeah. from that game coming up later in Sports with Squire. It was exciting. Just ahead, developers denied. But this is too much for too little. Why their promise to turn a vacant property into affordable housing was rejected. And a warning from police about a terrifying virtual kidnapping scam. Big delays for a crash here in Delta tonight. Northbound on Highway 91 before 72nd Avenue. A car went into a lamp standard, and you're down to just one lane on the approach to the Alex Fraser Bridge. Contact Integra Tire today for great deals on GT radial tires like the Adventuro AT3. Perfect for light truck and SUV owners. Integra Tire, truly local. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. High above a crash here in Delta. A prime parcel of land in downtown Kelowna, ripe for redevelopment, is once again the subject of controversy. Council has unanimously rejected a proposed high-rise with hundreds of rental units, not because of the building itself, but because of what it would cost to live there. Jasmine King reports. The Doyle Avenue development proposal is a 25-story tower that features 259 rental units, but the attainable housing agreement, which was brought to Council on Monday, was quickly rejected. I believe that this agreement does not fit within the means of looking at establishing affordable housing within this community. The developer's report stated that the only affordable apartments would be 26 studio units for $2,050 per month, a figure based on a median income of $82,000. Neither is it affordable, nor is it attainable. It's a small little unit for over $2,000 a month. I appreciate the fact that the applicant is offering rental downtown, which we need, but this is too much for too little. The decision among city council was unanimous. The price was well above what the targeted demographic could afford. Councillor Luke Stack noted that cheaper options could be found online. This agreement says they have to rent them potentially up to $700 more than the market rate today. So I'm just having a hard time squaring that with what's making this affordable or attainable. It actually seems to be a very generous interpretation of what's affordable. The development is slated here on this parcel of public land, which is the former site of the Kelowna RCMP detachment. Council wants the final decision to be one that benefits all residents. It's not private land. This is 
taxpayer-owned land. This is, belongs to the city of Kelowna. So, in fact, offering it for 10 years is also too little. It has to be for as long as the lease exists. City Council is encouraging the project's proponents to come back with a revised agreement at a future council meeting. Jasmine King, Global News. The B.C. Greens are pushing Premier David Eby to make life more affordable for people with disabilities. Green Party leader Sonia Firstenau is calling on Eby to raise the disability allowance to a livable rate. She also says that increase should be paired with a major expansion of non-market housing supply. People with disabilities currently get a $1,300 monthly allowance, something Firstenau says is egregiously low. That we are recognizing that people with disabilities are facing uh, incredibly difficult circumstances on fixed incomes that are already too low in the face of inflation and in the face of shelter rates that nowhere near meet their, their needs uh, for housing. The federal government is currently debating Bill C-22, which would raise rates to meet at least the poverty line, but the Greens are hoping the NDP provides funding that will bridge the gap until the federal funding kicks in. TransLink is launching a new program aimed at encouraging employers to subsidize transit for their employees. The transit-friendly employer certification allows businesses and organizations who take part to promote their commitment in recruitment campaigns. Employers must pay the cost of at least half of their employees' transit passes. Companies with more than 200 staff members need to sign up at least 10% of their workforce. Smaller employers have to sign up a minimum of 25%. TransLink says it's the first program of its kind in Canada. First, you've got the, the ability for these companies to take a real tangible action towards climate change, to say this is what we are doing uh, for the environment and to meet those climate goals, to put their money where their mouth is. Uh, I think secondly, it's a great attraction and retention tool for employees. We know that employees these days are looking for value in their employer and they really expect their employer to, um, to make real those commitments and take tangible actions. TransLink CEO Kevin Quinn says a number of companies, including YVR and Lush, have already signed on to the program. Just ahead, payback for a woman treated unfairly. We have three years that we lost that we're never going to get back. The massive settlement that could be a game changer for other Indigenous families like hers. And crowdsourcing a solution to threatened sp spaces. How it could save a little slice of Saturna Island. Coming up. Once again, over this major traffic problem in Delta, affecting northbound traffic on Highway 91, just a little bit before 72nd Avenue. A car hit a lamp standard, and you're down to just a single lane through here. Today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball jackpot is $22 million, plus the classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash on Highway 91 in Delta. A warning from the public from North Vancouver RCMP about an alleged virtual kidnapping scam. Police say a man received a call yesterday from a person claiming to have kidnapped the man's wife. The call also appeared to be coming from his wife's phone. And a woman could be heard screaming in the background while the caller demanded a ransom. As disturbing as that sounds, police say you should hang up and contact the authorities instead. The man uh, was frantic 
and uh, called the North Vancouver SMP. We immediately launched our kidnapping protocol. We called in our serious crime unit, our investigative support team, and our emergency response team was also involved. We have to treat this as serious until such time we, re we discover we, we have information this is not a real uh, kidnapping. And so it took a lot of resources in. Uh, through our investigation, our officers were quickly able to determine this was a hoax and this was not a real kidnapping. An indigenous mother whose children were taken away has been awarded one of the highest human rights settlements in B.C. history. And she's talking to Global News about that battle. As Kamal Karamali reports, she says she has mixed feelings about her victory. I feel validated. I feel that my story has been heard. Validation and vindication for this indigenous mother. The BC Human Rights Tribunal deciding she was discriminated against when a child protection agency apprehended her four children back in 2016, only able to get them back three years later after a lengthy battle. But it also comes with a lot of mixed feelings because we have three years that we lost that we're never going to get back and my kids are still going through a lot of trauma from what they went through in the foster care system so global news is referring to her only as rr to respect the privacy of her children who were placed in the vancouver aboriginal and family services society or vacfas the kids were coming to egregious harm in foster care one of the children attempted suicide at the age of eight years old in the decision, the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal awarded $150,000 to RR, among the highest ever in B.C., calling it an unprecedented complaint. It said VACFAS made decisions informed by stereotypes about her as an Indigenous mother with mental health issues, including trauma and her conflict with the child welfare system. This is a major decision. It's definitely a game-changer. Statistics Canada data from 2021 shows Indigenous children make up 54% of all children in foster care. Well, it is a priority for our government to be making sure that children and families can stay together and stay together with cultural supports and cultural connections. In the Human Rights Tribunal decision, Backfast denies discrimination and was looking out for the best interest of the children, something RR can't believe. I hope there's a lot more accountability um, to, to workers that are, you know, using discriminatory measures with dealing with parents. Hoping her case will now create a new precedent for Indigenous families who may have been wronged by what she calls a broken system. Kamel Karamali, Global News. The Lower Kootenai Band and Creston Valley Hospital have come together to acknowledge anti-Indigenous racism in BC's healthcare system. They held a canoe walk to continue the spirit of reconciliation and building safe partnerships in healthcare. The walk also has significance because it occurs during National Addictions Awareness Week. The band has dedicated a canoe as a gift to the hospital. Lower Kootenai Band Councillor Sherry Luke says it marks an important step in starting a dialogue. It reminds me that the importance of advocating for Indigenous people and to continue building those relationships and educating on both sides. I'm hoping that people um, are mindful of our actions moving forward and that our what we say really holds a lot of weight and that we need to be mindful of how we're holding our, our ourselves and um, what we're saying and how that can impact um, those that we're caring for. This marked the first canoe walk since 2012. Luke says it's taken on even more importance as communities look to connect again post-pandemic. 
Farmers in the Fraser Valley are facing more pressure as 10 new cases of avian flu have been confirmed in the region this week alone. The 10 farms in Abbotsford and Chilliwack have been quarantined because of the virus and more than 75,000 birds have been culled in the province since the outbreak began back in the spring. BC Poultry Association says 10 cases is significant compared to what we've seen here in BC recently. BC has had five outbreaks since 2004. Um, this one is quite different because the virus seems to be a lot more virulent. Um, it, spring and fall are kind of normal avian influenza seasons for BC because uh, it's based on the migratory birds. Um, however, we didn't see a break this summer. The avian flu virus is fatal to animals but poses no risk to humans. Still ahead, the biggest bargains on Black Friday. Consumers can expect amazing deals. Retailers share some secrets to saving money on holiday shopping. And improvements to a key route linking BC and Alberta. That's coming up. Well, some good news for anyone planning to drive to Alberta in the next few months. Drivers will be able to take the new section of Highway 1 through the Kicking Horse Canyon on Friday at 6 a.m. Travelers will move on to the newly constructed eastbound lanes while work continues westbound. Construction is still ongoing and drivers are being reminded to obey the posted speed limits there. The project won't be fully complete until next winter with more full highway closures expected in the spring. If you are going, make sure you've got your snow tires. Mm -hmm. And what are road trip conditions like? Let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at the forecast. Christy? Well, for that section of highway, things are looking pretty nice. That's for sure. We've got mostly dry conditions on the way, but one area is certainly getting pummeled, and that's the north and central coast right now and the northern part of Vancouver Island. We've got sort of an atmospheric river that's targeting those regions, and it's going to stall over that area right through the afternoon hours tomorrow, just continuing to pull moisture there. So we've got wind and rainfall warnings in place, which I'll show you in a second. But what I wanted to just quickly highlight is this is us tomorrow. We're just on the southern edge of it, and some of the computer models are showing that the cloud cover will shift in and we'll see a mainly cloudy sky all day. Some are showing that it'll back off and we'll see sunshine. So it'll be a tough call tomorrow as to how much sunshine we'll see. But at the very least, we do know that it is going to remain dry for much of the day as this front sort of stays north of our area. So here's a look at the warnings that are in place. Oh, I want to show you the timeline as it shifts across. So as it finally moves, it will move across our region tomorrow night and the bulk of that rainfall will happen overnight. We'll still see some lingering rain fall into Friday morning, but overall it shifts across our region quite quickly. So here's a look at those warnings. We still have wind gusts up to 110 kilometers an hour possible, especially across the northern Vancouver Island. And the rainfall warning is for an additional uh, 50 to 60 millimeters. Here's a look at how much we're expecting though for Metro Vancouver, far less because it's going to swing across our region fairly quickly. So certainly stalling across the northern Vancouver Island and central coast region. So heavy rain expected there. A pleasant day in through the southern interior can Kamloops, five degrees for you. Williams Lake, six with sunshine. And for our region, as I mentioned, with the best chance of seeing the cloud cover will be northwest. Best chance of seeing the sunshine will be southeast. And uh, we will certainly see highs reach about 10 degrees. So pleasant conditions tomorrow. But tomorrow night will be wet and windy as that front shifts through. And we'll likely see that rainfall linger into our Friday. And then it's towards the weekend that we've got another system on deck by Saturday afternoon. Here's tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Michael Davis, who was in the 
the Burnaby Lake area today and captured this little bobcat taking a little siesta in the uh, tree there. Nice to see that. Thank you so much, Michael, for sharing that with us. I think Michael woke up the little bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> Looks pretty comfortable there, yeah. no doubt about it. Okay, yeah. thanks very much, Christy. The Nature Trust of BC has launched a crowdfunding campaign hoping to buy another piece of crucial ecological habitat on Saturna Island. The organization says it needs another $150,000 to protect a 31-hectare area known as Mount Fisher Bluffs. It's a haven of rare ecosystems, plants, and animals. It includes the unique Gary Oak ecosystem, as well as threatened species like the great blue heron and the barn swallow. The funds need to be raised by December 15th. You can find more information at naturetrust.bc.ca. It's been a while since Canada was in the World Cup ecosystem. But they came <laughs> roaring back with a thrilling game today. Yeah, maybe it's not the result we wanted but well we'll talk a lot about it in a second I mean it was listen they did well all they needed to do was put one in the net mm -hmm. just one uh, the Canucks start a road trip tonight against the Stanley Cup champions uh, I'd really <laughs> rather be playing a junior team <laughs> <laughs> and Colorado is on a roll having won seven of their last eight so needless to say this one will be tough also tonight retailers reveal the best Black Friday deals Productivity was low in the newsroom Very midday. Very low. Low. Just in the midday. It was probably Just that way all across Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know. But you know what the great thing is? Kind of like you know when the Olympics are on. We all become one. <laughs> we all cheer for the same thing at that moment. Um, Canada did everything it wanted to do against Belgium. It pressed forward. It put Belgium on its heels with the speed that Canada has. It kept Belgium pinned in their own end of the field, especially in the first half. The only thing Canada did not do today against Belgium was score. They lost one nothing. After the game, the coach of Belgium praised Canada, saying they were the better team. All that saved Belgium was experience, this is according to their coach, and their goalkeeper, Thibaut Courtois. So, let's watch some of the highlights anyways. Courtois' big save was off Alfonso Davies. I'm sure there was a lot on Alfonso Davies' mind, knowing that he could be the guy who scores for Canada the first ever goal in the World Cup. Unfortunately, not a good penalty. So, Belgium got a goal really against a run of the play. Misi Batshuayi makes it 1-0 in the 44th minute. Here's another save by Courtois off Kyle Lahren. Canada had so many chances, and we just couldn't get it in the net. Okay, so here is the rest of the... Uh, scores that happened today. Morocco and Croatia who are in our group 0-0. Look at Spain just ran over Costa Rica 7-0 and another upset not as big as Saudi Arabia over Argentina but Japan beating Germany 2-1 that would be an upset. So now Canada would like to see Belgium just keep on winning. Beat Croatia, beat Morocco. The draw between Morocco and Croatia was actually good news for Canada. If we beat both Croatia and Morocco we're into the next round. Four points might be enough as well. Four points could also put Canada in a tie for a playoff spot, which when then be decided by goal differential first, goal scored second, if the differential is the same. Now, the Canadian players and coaches are looking at this result in two different ways. They played exactly the way they wanted to, as we said earlier. They were able to give one of the top teams in the world a real run for its money, but Canada also knows it left points out there. This was a game that Canada deserved at least a draw, if not a win. There were lots of chances generated, just no finish. But they believe this game will make them better for the next two.
I'm really proud of the lads, but at the end of the day, you know, we need to get points and we're going to this Croatia game with a bit of fire in our bellies now. I think we, uh, we're hungry, we're even more hungry. We know we deserve to be here, we know we can represent and it's time, it's time for us to push on. Next task, next game. Next emotions, uh, we played our hard out today and we showed the world what we're capable of. Uh, we went out there fearless, and a lot of courage and brave. Uh, we played our game, uh, we controlled the game, but at the end of the day, we didn't get the three points that we wanted, so it's a bit of uh, mixed emotions. But we just have to remain positive uh, and go into the next game with our heads held high. And, uh, play exactly what we played today and we'll go, come out with our three points. Really tough uh, to lose like this, knowing that we're going to play uh, in a world-class side. But I think, I don't think, I have, I know it's fair to say that we deserve more today. Uh, this is the image that we want to leave, but we want to leave it with, with points, with wins. But I know that when we perform the way we did today, when we create what we did today versus a world-class side, we'll be a lot closer to winning than anything else. Uh, it's tough, but uh, very proud for, for what we did today. Now, Bob Leonard Doozy, of course, was on the last Canadian men's team to make the World Cup. They didn't score a goal either, but they didn't look like this version of Canada. I think everybody, including me, like Belgium number two. So how are we going to fare? Well, if you were to watch that game and you weren't to know what the rankings were, <laughs> I don't think you'd have Belgium number two and Canada 40. Um, we've closed the gap. Um, whatever happens at this World Cup, for me, it's not a dress rehearsal because you want to get through out of the group stage, and, and we still can. But all the experience that will have been generated from this World Cup, where is the next World Cup? It's here. It's in our backyard. And so if people can see, wow, another four years with this very young group of players, it's going to be very exciting. Canucks start a three-game road trip tonight in Denver where they get to play the guys with the Cup. Spencer Martin will play goal. Vancouver is, of course, coming off. Another game where they gagged on a lead against Vegas. Bruce Boudreaux, ever the honest coach, said going from the Golden Knights to the Avalanche is not ideal. <laughs> uh, I'd really rather be playing a junior team. <laughs> no, it's a great challenge. I mean, and I tell them it's a great challenge. And it, you either can do one of two things. You can fear the challenge or, or you can embrace it. And doing things that people don't think you can do has been my greatest thrill uh, personally. And, and I try to relay it to the team is if people don't think you can do it and you do it it's way more satisfying uh than than just accepting it as a norm uh I'm not gonna lie um, guys are pretty sick of losing and uh, especially giving up leads to do so it's so hard to get a league in the nhl uh we're doing a lot of good like i said most nights we're doing a lot of good and proving that we can play against any team in the league for a certain portion we just got to find a way to like i said grind it out for 60 and stop giving them easy goals and or hard goals we got to find a way to make our front of a net front of our net and d zone a lot harder for other teams there you go. Thank you very much, Squire. Up next, what consumers can expect for Black Friday deals. Stay with us. Jordan Armstrong has a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, RCMP say whatever was happening on the Coquihalla Highway is now over and the highway is reopening soon. 
tight-lipped on what sparked all of this, but from what witnesses are saying, it appears to have involved a manhunt at the Juliet Bridge south of Merritt near the Coquihalla Summit. Was anyone arrested? Was this connected to recent events in Merritt or the Lower Mainland? Well, those are questions we're trying to get answered tonight, and we'll have the latest at 11. Chris? All right, Jordan, thank you very much. Well, Black Friday is coming up, and inflation-weary consumers will be on the hunt for a good deal. No doubt many major retailers have already started their Black Friday sales, but some industry experts say expect more bargains on the actual day. And with more on the list of deals and discounts, we'll bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Chris. This time last year, supply chain issues were causing a shortage of many items leading up to Black Friday. But this year, it's expected to be a much smoother shopping experience. In some cases, there's now an extra supply of merchandise, and that's translating into some deep discounts. The splashy ads are everywhere. Retailers pushing discounts weeks, sometimes months in advance. Well ahead of what's become the unofficial first day of the holiday shopping season. Still, come Black Friday, those in the business of bargain hunting say consumers can expect savings. I do expect deals on the actual day. I expect some really nice in-store offers. According to Canadian-based redflagdeals.com, hot on the list of Black Friday savings, smart home technology like thermostats, ring security cameras, Lego sets, and fitness watches. Discounts anywhere from just hundreds and thousands of dollars, uh, depending on the size of the television. If you're in the market for a TV, many retailers like Best Buy are already slashing prices, and deep discounts are being offered on home appliances. There's hundreds of dollars off uh, on small appliances, from blenders to air fryers, uh, lots of different things that you can see. While many Black Friday sales are already in full swing, London Drugs will kick off their Black Friday savings on the actual day. It's a bigger draw than Boxing Day now for Black Friday. That's when people do their shopping. They come in, and it's all over the store. It's not just in tech. It's every department in our store has really great deals on for Black Friday. That includes gaming devices, gaming chairs, and laptops. And with supply chain pressures easing, expect a good supply of items. This year, we have ample stock in all different varieties of laptops, from low price to high price. When it comes to Black Friday and searching for the best deal, do your research, keep a budget, and price compare. Not every deal on Black Friday will inherently be good, uh, but I think if you have shopping to do towards the end of the year, uh, it's a good time to see what's out there. It certainly is. And retail analysts expect the Black Friday savings will spill into Cyber Monday. Also, keep in mind many retailers will price match and check the return policy and make sure it's flexible. Can you get your money back or will it just be a store credit? It's also a good idea to get a gift receipt when buying for someone else. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Countdown begins to Black mm -hmm. Friday and then Christmas shopping. Christmas Oh, I'll tell you what, I got a heck of a... stressed out by it. You're stressed, yeah. I got a heck of a gift today, and this is a shout-out to all the kids at Coyote Creek Elementary in Surrey. Thank you so much to Ms. Gill and Ms. Johnson for inviting me to read to the class. The kids were awesome. They had great questions. They wanted to speak to a journalist, and I was happy to oblige, and they were... That's quite a picture. They were a yeah. lot shorter than me. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But thank you so much. That, that looks like a so cardboard cutout of you. I know. It's, it was crazy. I was oh. way taller than them even when I was sitting on the floor. Sorry, what grade was this? This is grade one and kindergarten. And did you sit crisscross applesauce on the floor with them? Oh, uh, that's impossible for me. 
no. I was on a little chair there, but it was uh, it was very uh, very nice to visit with them, and I am so honored to be invited there. The whole staff was great. You do amazing things for the kids, so thanks for letting me in the school and what did they being ask? a part of that. What's your favorite food? Pizza, of yeah, course. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite food. color? Blue. What's your favorite dinosaur? Kind of a toss-up between Triceratops and, yeah. tri and uh, Stegosaurus. Yeah. So probing questions. Because Stegosaurus has all the yeah. great spikes on that. That's right. right? Okay. Triceratops, too, has oh, the big right. shield oh, yeah. head, you know. We Were talked about all of it. Were they upset about any of your answers? No, they, uh, they support it. And they asked to wear a pink tie. So there you go, kids. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> Thanks a lot for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.